Oh yeah. No, I was helping my mom like clean out like I think our like Windows XP. Like that was uh-huh. that had a bunch of like photos that were like on the on the thing at the time. And, like I just went and I was like, all right, let's let's see what I actually have here. Oh yeah. And, like, I just listened to like all the MIDI like versions of Castlevania songs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> And I found like an old fan fiction I didn't even remember writing. Oh, like I read like a paragraph and immediately deleted it because I was like, I don't want to like relive this and just <laughs> die for the embarrassment. You should have posted it to your wait live f- journal first. Yeah, wait, a fan fiction of what again? <laughs> of Tales of Symphonia. Nice. <laughs> oh my god. Nightmare. Hey everybody, welcome to Pursuing Pixels. This is episode number 56, and my name's Kevin Portelli, and I'm here tonight with Randall Nolery. Hey everybody. And John Hines. Hey there. And guess what, guys? What's up? (laughs) We're not going to kick things off with video games today, actually. (laughs) I thought we figured out the format last week. (laughs) I know, I know. We've we've been hammering this out for a year, and then John (laughs) throws us for a loop. So what do you you got to talk about? I guess it's it's always video game related, but what do you got to talk about uh, today, John? So when I I look back at what I've actually been doing the most in the past month or so, Uh, like once quarantine started, uh, I started getting, which was like three months ago, by the way, <laughs> I know, I lost track of time. Like I was like, I know, how long have I we know. been like this? I know that's, that's more well, the only reason I mentioned it. Just like, yeah, it feels like a month, but yeah, it's been a while. It's been way longer than that. Yes. But, um, yeah. I started looking into, uh, modular synthesizers, which is a specific subset of synthesizers uh that are way more complicated <laughs> and like pure more like analog right like you're oh, talking yeah. like this, even, is, this is not like on a computer so even more so than that like there are analog synthesizers that have keyboards attached to them and then there are like the very beginning of like synthesizers like when they were built in like the 50s and 60s like they weren't attached because they were like new instruments. They weren't attached to like any keyboards or anything. They right. were just like things that were built into cabinets that you would like patch with wires and like adjust knobs and they <laughs> would just make different sounds. Like they were synthesizing kind of generating tones. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were synthesizing sound out of electricity. Like it would convert voltages into audio signals and like, so in the very early days of synthesizers, like they were just these giant, really complicated mess of like electronic engineering. And then like by the eighties, they started integrating those into like sound chips, like in that eventually would be even used in like, as Randall and I were looking into it, like in the Sega Genesis <laughs> was like a Yamaha sound chip. Hell um, yeah. And like that had yeah. a lot of the stuff that, you know, were these complicated schematics like synthesized down into an even smaller like digital chip. Right. So like these analog synthesizers just got smaller and smaller and more user friendly over time, like integrating them with a keyboard because that would make it really easy to press a note and it would always be in the right pitch. <laughs> so these giant <laughs> mechanical like complex things really fell out of favor and didn't really like like people stopped making them pretty much 
except for like really small specific uh, companies. And one company, uh, Dopfer, in the 90s, it's a German company, decided, hey, we're going to keep making these, but like, let's all make them the exact same size. Because before, like, if you had a Roland, like, you couldn't, like, mo- like you couldn't mix that with a Moog uh, synthesizer. Okay. Like, each one had their own, like, size. But then Dopefer came along in the 90s and was like, okay, we're going to have a standard size for everything. And you can, no matter what, like, company makes it, you can put it into this rack system. So, like, these companies started making individual modules. And then by the time that the 2010s come around like suddenly (laughs) this really small niche like group of people like have it's turned into this entire industry like i remember looking up something in college and being like oh this looks cool and then like not like 10 years later being like oh hey that thing that i like vaguely remember like i'm going to look up and then realize that there's this giant group of like people like making these modules that there just hadn't existed like 10 years before right so i've gotten into like a lot of these like each module will do a different thing like one creates a sound one alters the sound one like you can sequence a set of notes or this one like sequences like a set of beats and like I think about these things in the same way that like I was talking to DJ or like earlier that like I get the same satisfaction from figuring out a patch than I did like when playing Baba is you. Oh man. Because (laughs) I got this one because you are also kind of like limited by like the modules that you own are kind of the rule sets that you have. Right. And like if you think those are your options. Right. So like, for me specifically, the thing that I felt really proud about was that I had a four-step sequencer, which could put out four like distinct pitches, like four notes. And I was trying to figure out, like, okay, like how can I make that uh, be more than just that? And I realized that I could make, I could trigger a note pl- to play, and then I could trigger the next step in the sequence, but not play that note. So then I could skip over a note and then go to another one. And like the second that that unlocked in my brain, I was like, oh, my God, this is so much more than (laughs) like. Yeah, you're getting into like programming logic to some degree with some of that. stuff. I was going to say, yeah, I definitely see the comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's all I like all I've been doing is just like in my free time, even when I'm not like messing around with it, like I'm thinking about it and I'm like, oh, my God, I can use this like to patch over to that and that will change how that works. And like, it's exactly like when I'm like playing a like puzzle game where I was like, Oh, I I can't figure this out while it's in front of me. But like, I'm thinking about it after the fact. Totally. And like, it's been such a welcome distraction (laughs) like this time that like, I've just been, it's, it's been so nice to be able to like focus and think about something especially, and then have the outcome of it just be like, Oh, now I figured out how to make music with that. Right. It's really satisfying. Like it's uh, I've never really felt the way I felt about like creating music in like a synthesizer than like just like, say, learning a new instrument. That's so cool. Seems like it's super fun to tinker with, too. Like there's that whole aspect of it, just the tinkering, let alone the music and sound creation that you could do. 
Oh, yeah. And like I've gotten to the point now that I have more modules than I have space <laughs> in like, sure. a rack. So yeah, like I'm forced to swap in them in and out. John fashion. I know. It's a nightmare. <laughs> but like I, I now like I can't like just have access to everything at one time. Right. I can only power like so many at a time. So like I need to be like, all right, well, if I use this one and can like conjunction with this what can i do or what can i accomplish and it's really fun to like just you know disassemble the whole thing and then put it back together with a whole new combination and be able to do a whole new different thing that's cool yeah limitations breed creativity definitely so oh and do do you feel do you feel like so you're obviously somebody who has some musical background john if somebody was just like coming at this from like a logical standpoint and just like tinkering around like randall was saying like would they be able to like get something out or do you do you feel like you have to have some understanding of like music going into it so weirdly enough like apparently there's a huge like i don't know i don't want to say like a percentage but i think i think there's a huge number of people who are into modular synthesis who are just not musicians that i think they're just engineers interested in making noise (laughs) i can see it creating patterns (laughs) because like at the end of the day that's really what it is like right i i Mm -hmm. i'm kind of cognizant of the fact that like i'm when i'm just messing around and i have don't have a completed project that like i am just making dissonant noise and i'm like okay i need to turn this down because lauren is gonna kill me if like she just hears like things that are like out of tune looping gotta bust out the headphones (laughs) man oh god but yeah no there's a, a huge community of people who are just in it to like make interesting things and i I think it's really fascinating that's got to be a lot of fun too to see all those like results of other people working on the same equipment that you have and yeah what they can come up with honestly and like as much as like uh, it's uh, such a better environment now than it was say like 10 years ago like i'm still routinely frustrated and like the lack of like videos or like even like sound demonstrations from people like i really do want to set up like a like a couple streams on twitch where like i just show off some of these because like literally i have a couple that there are no videos anywhere and i just bought Jeez. blind that would be awesome, John, because for what it's worth, too, even I've, I've actually recently stumbled across an Instagram account. Uh, her name is uh, A-Bit uh, a Amber, I think, and she does, like, all kinds of crazy, like, she has all these synths hooked up and is, like, all, like, posts a video almost every day with all these kind of, like, they're not totally musical all the time, but, like, mm-hmm. the last one she posted was, like, with, like, one of those, like, kind of laser guns that, like, has all the different sound effects and, like, <laughs> was, had that hooked up all with the synths and, like, using that to control things and, like... <laughs> Nice. But like, and it sounds cool and it's awesome to watch, but like, I have no idea how she's making all that work. So like, yeah, to have even just some basic knowledge on like, Hey, this is how I patch this together or hook this up. That, I think that'd be super useful. So, yeah. And it's I'll, like, it's amazing to me how, like I was looking up just like the NES sound chips and yes. like the Game Boy sound chips yes. today and like, yeah looking at like i was like okay so like the game boy has four like sound channels in the chip and it can generate a pulse like two of them are dedicated pulse waves one of them is a like sample wave channel and the third one is just noise and like as soon as <laughs> like i like saw that i was like yep they're using the noise to generate the hi hats like that's how you that's what yep. you do the pulse waves are usually like what you're generating the like major tones of it and then like as soon as like 
I, the stuff that I learned from like getting into modular synthesis, like just made everything make so much more sense. Wow. And it just so much more fascinating. And I was getting really pumped on like stuff that like, like I've downloaded little sound DJ like years ago and I barely understood how that worked. So like now I'm kind of pumped to like go back to it and actually like, I don't know, start using the sound card of like the Game Boy and actually like yes. get to some composition for that i would love nice. to hear that stuff oh. yeah same here it's so fun well while we're uh talking about music for a little bit uh i finished up playing i think a few i think on our anniversary episode or maybe the one after that one i don't know i think it was the one that you and i did just you and i ran okay and we talked a little bit ape out yeah a little bit of ape out that i had like oh i went back into that and we talked about it like on a way a previous episode back when we were doing game of the month i think but yeah, I've, I've finally got around to like finishing the final LP of that game, and then it actually unlocks like a final like single where you have to like break in and then break out of this building, like break in and you rescue like a little baby gorilla and break out. Um, and this is like again just like a top-down game that's like really dynamic and it's really musical. You know, all, for the most part, all the music is like kind of not procedurally generated, but it's all like based on what you're doing right. in the game. You know, you're running around and as you grab a guard and, and slam them on the wall, they, you know, there's like a big symbol crash yep. and a snare hit and whatever. Everything's very um, percussive and very tied into the gameplay. Very visceral. Yes. Uh, I think as you mentioned many times yes. on those episodes, Randall, <laughs> yes. but yeah, it's like, it's very on all elements and it, and it, it you know, it can be a little violent, although very <laughs> abstracted, but a lot of blood splattering say, going on. I'd say more than a little but, violent, uh, but yes. Yeah. But it, but it's, it's so like stylish too, you yeah. know. Like it's not, it's it doesn't like it doesn't lean into it like we're like you know where I, I know I already compared it to Hotline Miami or at least I thought it in my head if I didn't say it out loud. But like that game like gets into almost like the grossness yeah. of the violence, you know. Like of it, it's almost like yeah, yeah, exactly. And this feels more like it's just the visceral nature of it as opposed to like the this is so awesome that I'm killing all these guards. It just kind of <laughs> feels like you. I mean, I guess you are killing them, but anyways. <laughs> you don't have to, though, necessarily. Yeah, you you could sneak yeah. around, but, uh, oh, man, you, you're a brave soul if you are, because this <laughs> game is no no uh, cakewalk, no. especially towards the end. But, yeah, I beat, like, the final. I had, like, a, just a few more tracks on the, L, the final LP to beat, and then, like, an outro level, and then, yeah, it unlocked this uh, single level. But before that, when you beat the final level, again, for the most part, all the music in this game is just kind of generated, like, at related to what you're doing and it's just kind of a percussion track but the final track comes in like right as you beat the game um and the artist uh i i didn't know this originally i didn't know who did it but uh, the artist of the original track i don't know if it's the original recording but it's pharaoh sanders let me look at the track name here yeah the track is called uh, you've got to have freedom which is uh timely enough right now mm -hmm. for sure but uh man it just like all of a sudden because this game like is mostly percussion the whole time and then like right as you beat the game there's like these splashes of color that come up and it's not really this is no spoiler really or anything because it's just like the song is the credits roll but it's just like all these horns start coming in like crazy and it's like a 10 or 12 minute oh, song wow. and I'll, I'll actually make a point to actually i know i say this all the time <laughs> i will link to it in the episode <laughs> description here and i'll just mention it now in the episode because we always mention it at the end but we always have episode descriptions with timestamps, with uh sometimes links to like let's play yeah. videos or other stuff so like please check out the descriptions links yeah. to the disc Discord, all the stuff we mentioned at the end of the episode, it's always in the uh, episode descriptions as well. Yep. But uh, but yeah, they just kind of, man, it just like 
it was such like a climactic ending to the game and and it made me actually so there is a hard mode in ape out that it looks like you can play through all the lps mm-hmm. on a harder difficulty no, i don't know if that adds <laughs> more enemies or what the difference is i played just the very first track and it didn't feel that different oh. to me but that was that was right after coming from playing the final sure. level in the game yeah. so you know it might have just not been a ramp up but i think i'm actually going to try to do a stream at some point if i have the time of like playing through the hard mode so i just want to just shout out this game again because it is so dynamic and so fun to play like it, it's one of those games that i can just replay levels over and over again and it just doesn't get old i, I it is fun to progress and like get through the whole game but like i don't know even like oh i played that one before but like like when I played the break in breakout single, I was like, oh, I, th- I, th- I actually think I've played this before, but it didn't take away anything from it. It was just awesome. Yeah. The core um, gameplay yeah, loop yeah. is really good and satisfying in that game, too. And simple. Yeah. So I think that kind of helps yeah. for the replayability. Yeah. It's like it's definitely got that dual stick kind of control, mm-hmm. but otherwise it's just like two buttons. Yep. So it's either grab or shove. <laughs> and that's yep. about it. So, <laughs> yep. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all we had in the war. Or no, Randall, I think you wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, a uh, little bit, I guess, kind of related to the retro conversation we had last week. A little bit. Right? Well, just and just because I always play things that are kind of retro related anyway. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the the main impetus for me uh, starting this one up, it was a game that was already on my Switch. It's actually a game that came out not too far after the launch of the Switch, Blaster Master Zero. The first one. There's, yep, I bought that right off the bat. Yeah, of for course sure. you had to. Mm-hmm. There's like three things on the eShop and you're like, what am I going to have on my Switch? <laughs> Like here's an indie what game, a kind world. of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now there's five thousand. Yeah, um, but it, it it was also an impetus because I'm like, oh, okay, limited run is is gonna release these physically, the first and Ooh. the second one. I haven't bought the second one. Do I want in, in a bundle? Uh, I think they do. Uh, I mean, they're they're separate ultimately. Okay, like, you okay. can buy them gotcha. together, but you're not gonna save anything. It's not a it's not a solo cartridge. It yeah they they sell them separately zero and zero gotcha. two yeah. Um, so I'm like, you know, how much do I like these games? Like, is that something that I would have interest in putting in for this pre order while it's still open? Because uh, it's not cheap to buy them physically. So I started playing. I booted up my my dusty software download of blaster master zero <laughs> that, that i probably you know booted once after deciding i had to have it on my switch because that's that's what i did yeah. too <laughs> i think it was a relatively cheap download so that probably helped its cause and it's retro of course um yeah but no it's it's really good it's by nt creates um and yeah i'm, I'm really enjoying it i think i'm through the first few levels and you know and this is a remake of an nes game right or like an kind of an update of it or whatever i don't so i'm i actually don't have a super ton of familiarity with the original blaster master on nes i own it but it was never a game that i had a lot of nostalgia for or otherwise so i really haven't played it as much as a lot of my other nes games um shows what i know but it's 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 widescreen ultimately the the things that uh, pop out to you is this game is widescreen which is fantastic so you can see more (laughs) the most important yes yeah (laughs) fills your whole screen um and like the the soundtrack sounds great um everything's really vibrant obviously you can have a lot of sprites on screen now uh, as compared to the limitations of the nes 
Um, and yeah, it you know if this is based on the NES game or not, I'm like really enjoying the gameplay loop here and the level design. Um, it's it's interesting, Blaster Master, in that you kind of start off in your tank and you can kind of shoot forward, backward, or like diagonal up in the air. Um, but then you can get out of your tank as a little person and go into these kind of sub rooms um, at, where it turns into like an overhead perspective, and you're now this uh, just the guy. And, and it zooms in to just the guy in an overhead mode and you're kind of doing your top, you know, top down shooting of enemies, working your way, getting your way typically to a boss um, when you're, you know, just on foot. And then you beat said boss, you might get an upgrade. You then go back to your tank and kind of explore more of this like overworld and rinse and repeat. But yeah, I've been really enjoying it. So I think I probably will end up buying those physical as well based on just the couple hours that i've played so far because <laughs> i'm like that yeah no i mean it, those games like i said i just played a tiny bit and whether again whether it's a remake or not it definitely like it's one of those games that that brings these retro style games or again yeah it just kind of like modernizes it yeah. and and makes it feel yeah it's just really vibrant like it still has that nes pixel art style and everything but it just i don't know it feels modern enough like it has a more of that shovel knight kind of look to it as opposed to like just a true nes game if that makes sense you know? oh yeah and inti creates it's i think that's on them for, for yeah. what they've done to make it like that they also did the uh the gun vault like the mighty gun vault and the azure striker gun vault mm-hmm. games which are also really good um yeah so yeah i I have not played a. I don't think I've played a bad game from them. So yeah, they did a Bloodstain too, right? Bloodstain Curse of the Moon, not the not the Ritual of the Night, but they did the Curse of the Moon game, if I'm not mistaken. So you might did be. they? You might be. I'm pretty sure Inti Creates, right? That's who we're talking about. I don't know. We'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to fact <laughs> check, <laughs> that, check that. Yeah, I was waiting. I thought Randall had the research right at hand, but I'm, well, I'm, that, I'm pretty positive. Game that. that you just pulled out like that. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, it just, the way you were looking out of the corner of your eye, I was like, oh, I think he, he looks like he's got it. But I'm, I'm positive. I'm just going to say it. It's a fact. your fact checker all Inti the time, creates Kevin. made a Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. You are correct. So You have been yep, validated. You are. Developer. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they, they, they're, they're, they are really good, though, about like just nailing that retro aesthetic yes. like to a T. Yes. But still having a lot of modern conveniences with like the menu systems and all that stuff. Totally. So. Yes. I've mm-hmm. been very much enjoying their releases. For sure. All right. Well, I know, uh, Randall, you've been putting a little bit of time into uh, another game as well, a new release, you know, yes, where sir. every now and then, you know, we'll, we'll go into <laughs> retro stuff pretty often, but every once in a while, we're actually playing a new game, guys. So. I love the listeners so much. I bought this game for full price. Digitally. Wow. Digitally. Digitally. Big That's spender. unheard of. Because is this coming out on physical? I, You know, I did some cursory research on that before I pressed OK, spend my money, and I did not see <laughs> that that was the case. Um, yeah. But you know it's inevitable, all these indie games. Like, as soon as, it, at least for me, every time I'm like, you know what? Oh, Celeste, I, re- I really want to play it. Yeah. And then I buy it, and then, oh, digital release is coming out. I know. Or uh, physical release is coming out. I know so. it. Yeah, yeah it, and it might anyways. happen, but I, I, you know, it's not an easy hoop to jump through for a lot of these indies to get to that point. So, it's a pretty big price hike. You know, yeah. it goes from yeah. being like a fifteen to I think this game was like twenty five bucks yeah. full price, but like it goes from like being a ten, twenty, fifteen, twenty five dollar game to like pretty much being forty bucks yeah, every least. now and then, maybe thirty. But yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a hike for sure. Yes, it is. So I I was not willing <laughs> to to wait. 
in an indeterminate amount of time to get a physical release of Bug Fables, the everlasting sapling. So I went ahead and bought it, like I said, for you, the listener. Um, but also I bought it because it is very much a spiritual successor to the first two Paper Mario games. And yes. I've been I've had my eye on this guy for a minute and it finally released on Switch, which is where I like to play my video games, especially RPG-esque <laughs> video games that I might be mm-hmm. spending some time with. And it has been a great match so far. I've been really enjoying my time with it. So yes, for anybody that hasn't had familiarity with the first two Paper Mario games, think um, simplified turn-based JRPG type of combat and like you're collecting items and everything else but the the fun hook in the combat is you have to press a certain button at a, like a given time to do yeah. a, a better version of set attack or defense and oh man that sounds simple but it is so satisfying it, it keeps really you engaged is. in those battles i mean again i having not played this game but yeah going back to the paper mario games yes. it's like that's all it takes, all it takes. Like, even though even though this is like kind of a dumbed down RPG in a lot right. of ways, it's like having that little bit more engagement with, and and for that matter, not really having random battles. At least in that game, yeah. you know the the Paper Mario games the enemies are on same, screen, same so here. like, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. heck yeah, yep. man. Oh god, yep. I talk some more, Randall, because I, <laughs> I, I already want this game, but I want to hear a lot more about it, <laughs> or a little more about it at least. Absolutely. So th- the big differences between this game in Paper Mario, well, there aren't that many big differences. They've definitely stuck really close to the script, especially compared to, like, Thousand Year Door. Presentation and otherwise, there's just like, they played a lot of Thousand Year Door when they were making this game. <laughs> like, even, like, the tone? Yes. Like one, of, one of the things with, like, the Paper Mario games is the sense of humor. Like, even just it's all written dialogue, you know, you're not really hearing any voice acting, yep. but it's I, I found myself cracking up even in some of the lesser, you know, Super Paper Mario yeah. and some of the later games oh, yeah. that people aren't as big of fans of, like the dialogue has always been a, a high point of those games. Totally. I, I don't know that it's quite on that level of, of kind of clever, well-written and produced dialogue because it is an indie developer. Um, but that's definitely the vibe they're going for, you know. Yeah, and they don't have the history to pull right. on, you know, because a lot of it's like the all these inside totally. Nintendo jokes totally. and stuff like that, where mm-hmm. if it's just these random bug fables, yeah. you know, it's eh, nothing to pull from. Yes. And, you know, it's, you know, all the character designs and everything else is around bugs. Like, this is in a bug world. But cute, stylized yes, bugs. Yes, cute, stylized like. bugs. <laughs> and cel-shaded, cute, stylized bugs, for that matter. Mm-hmm. So, yes, and it's, you know, it's still in that paper style where when you're kind of flipping directions, you're like, you're you're essentially like paper thin. So your whole body kind of flips back and forth, which is kind of hard to describe in audio form. But hopefully if you've played Paper Mario, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You're like a two dimensional figure in a 3D kind of. Yes. Yes. And all the backdrops are in a way, but also like paper inspired, essentially. Yeah, like, so I'm assuming, like, similar to the Paper Mario games, you're almost moving, like, in a plane where it's, it, like, it's almost like a beat-em-up where you can, like, yes. you know, you're kind of side-scrolling, but you can also plane change, like, the depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yes. Uh, all very similar to the first two Paper Mario games that way. Um, the only downside I've run into so far that's kept it from being, like, oh, my God, thank goodness somebody made 
another thousand year door is on switch at the very least it does kind of chug a little bit at moments frame rate wise mm-hmm. and you know normally i don't care okay. that much about that but it was noticeable in, in some points especially when there's a lot going on on screen um in some of the town areas but you know that's that's still minor stuff and this game literally just came out like a few days ago so you know they've obviously got time to throw a patch out to to you know paper over those problems um there you go uh (laughs) but i always say i'm gonna keep playing games that i I talk about on here but this is for sure one that i'm gonna keep playing um and yeah i'm I'm just each night when i find myself with a little bit of time i'm grabbing the switch to play more bug fables uh nice heck yeah and it's that that's awesome to hear yeah it's that gameplay loop of like um you know getting experience from battles you know, get enough experience, go over 100 XP, you get the next level that lets you upgrade either just like Paper Mario, your badge point total, your capacity for badge points or the God. what was the flower points or special points in Paper Mario is kind of a thing here, too, or your health. So it's all that's the same. All, the only, uh, it's all I want. I know. God, this is. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> I need this. Game. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, please, Origami. I'm a simple man. Please. With simple needs. <laughs> I would not hold out for for Origami King uh, to be as close to those first two games as this thing is. I will say that mm, much. Agreed. It, it looks a lot more like Color Splash yeah. than it does. Uh, yeah. The mm-hmm. only other big difference that I'll talk about this time, because I'll talk about this game again, I don't need to talk about everything about it, but the only other big difference that this has compared to those first two Paper Mario games is that there's three characters that you have instead of just you and your sidekick character. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And so far in this game, it's just been those kind of three main characters. You start off with one, but very quickly you get the second and then the third. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then so then you're swapping between those three characters and deciding based on their different abilities, how you're going to take on the enemies that you're you're fighting in combat. But, cool. you know, there's been a really fun gameplay loop with that, too. So, yeah, more to come there. Nice. Heck, yeah. Well, John, I know you've been kind of sticking in the retro realm. Yes. Uh, although not necessarily playing on a retro console. Well, I don't know. It, it, debatable whether it's a retro console or <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely a dead console. <laughs> yeah, dead console for sure. Oh. <laughs> uh, although, yeah, when I, when I, so I was booting up my Wii U, uh, says we were talking about, <laughs> or like, retro conversation where you know you're talking about games that aren't necessarily available or you know you either have to have collected them or emulate them because they're not readily available on whatever the current system is right Um, yeah or even or even easy to hook up to a modern television you know if without some kind of adapter or something yeah so i uh powered up my wii u just to see what i I still have on that (laughs) uh i was also still trying to play in handheld mode because you know the switch has firmly like that's how i i played the wii u for the most part honestly like i always had the gamepad right by my bed because like i had that oh that was it was so convenient it was so nice and it was it was a proto switch it was and that's how that's how i played it so like when the switch came out like as a handheld like hybrid system i was like yep that's exactly how i've been playing it so this is right up my alley but Absolutely. I was looking at what games I, you know, had installed on it that I could easily, you know, still play on it. And I had purchased on Virtual Console Majora's Mask because, I, as I mentioned on our retro podcast, I 
gave away or I let someone borrow my uh, ROM or RAM expansion pack for my N64. So I've not been able to play my original copy of uh, Majora's Mask. That's right. Required. Um, Yeah, you need RAM expansion. You need those graphics, man. And honestly, like booting Majora's Mask up again and like honestly seeing those like those cutscenes look great. They look pretty damn crisp on the Wii U. I remember yeah. playing some 64 games on the Wii U and just being like, damn, they do. these look they, nice. They look better like, not on the Wii U. O- not only do they look nice, but like they're really creatively shot. Like Majora's Mask, like as a whole, is a very like artistic game yeah. and like very yeah. moody and has like very different settings. And like the like the way that they like show a lot of the either like creepy disturbing or like just like very dreamlike sequences in that game mm-hmm. like there are so many like surreal shots in that game like the very first time that you like get turned into a deku scrub at the very beginning of the game like yeah there, there's just so many like complex camera angles like yeah. it's it's just a very like there's so much craft in this game that i like it's not i've not necessarily forgotten about it but like just experiencing it again i was just like god this is just an incredible game like i've I've, like i've played it dozens of times and like uh, it still gets me and like i'm you know i don't know just all the beats hitting at the same part like the the same strength of the first time like i don't know something about it wow have you played it all the way through? Because that was one of the ones I think I actually... No, I, I was going to say I think I was playing it on the Wii U, but no, I was, I was playing it on uh, just my N64. And like, finally, like I played a little bit of it when it came out, and I actually never found that like song that slows down time. <laughs> oh my so I, I actually thought the gimmick of the game as a kid was to memorize the dungeons oh and like it was just about like speed, speed running, running oh the dungeons and like i could i finally i could get to the first like skulltula boss mm-hmm. and like be in the battle of like the last second but I, I never could beat that boss and i was like what the fuck this game is impossible <laughs> and then finally when i booted it up later and it was actually it was right before I want to say it might have been Skyward Sword, but I want to say it was Twilight Princess. It was like right before the Wii came out and I was all pumped about Twilight Princess and I was super psyched about Zelda. And mm-hmm. I was like, I want, you know, what? I never I beat Ocarina of Time. I think I just like rebooted up my save file and I think I was on like the spirit or the uh, shadow temple. Yeah. So I was like pretty close to the end and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to finish this game. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to play Majora's Mask. And I got maybe halfway through the game or so. Wow. Um, but like. I know they remade it for 3DS yeah. as well. Yep. So do you do you feel like because I know some people complained about it. I know they made a lot of changes on the 3DS version. I don't remember what they all were exactly, but they kind of eased up the game a little bit in some ways. They added like, save points, basically. Yeah. Like uh, that's it. You could. Well, they, they. I mean, there were other things as well. Like, yeah, of course, of course. But like, yeah, I, I honestly like the big thing was that they added like you know you could save it an owl statue but that was like a temporary save like as soon as you loaded the game up again like you erased it uh, and play until like you reset time and like starting over on the first like resetting everything the first day was the only way to like hard save your game makes sense gotcha like man i yeah i don't know like there's something about it that just 
I don't know, hits me in, in a way that uh, I think like I, I, a thing that I was thinking about was like, you know, the conceit of the game like lends itself to be an incredibly intricate and complex game where, you know, you get every you know where every single person is going to be at every minute of every day. Right. Because there's only three days and they're going to be following that routine every single day. That so comes like, down to what, like about an hour gameplay loop or is it a little longer than that? I think it's about an hour. For yeah, I think three it's days. Like, like every day is about 20 minutes or something. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Or it's it's yeah pretty close where like an hour is a minute. And so it's like 24 yeah. minutes. Per, yeah, uh, okay. yeah. 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 Um, but like even still with that, like like I, I know, understand why they can't like just redo that and make a Majora's Mask 2 where there's another like that it would be kind of hacky if they're like, all right, here's another just three days in a new setting that they would redo. Right, but right. like uh Nintendo's done a lot with like the Legend of Zelda series in particular, like a lot of similar things in later games where like in uh Twilight Princess there's the like uh uh Temple of Time where like, you know, there are you go through it in like the past and then you also go through it in the current stage or current yeah. time. And then there there's a similar one in Skyward Sword where there's these like time crystals where the like uh, area that you are like that's around you is in like the past. Oh but, like, yeah, the segment of that. So they do the really good job of like having these like multiple, like I don't know, like time elapsing within a certain area and like having that tell a story just through that. But like I really wish that they would go back and like. Because I, I don't know, like Majora's Mask had to have come from somewhere. Like, right. I would love <laughs> if a game just had like, you know, this town is trapped in a loop and you can always go back there and like you understand the patterns of everyone there. Like, I, I, I just think that it's such a unique experience in Majora's Mask that I don't think any other game really gets at where you can really feel that you know every person is going to live in this like same loop and you can experience it in so many different ways if you go to a different place you're going to experience a completely different story than if you're <laughs> in one like any That's game that cool. does that is typically not one that you has a loop like you can't right. reset that usually any game right, right. that has that you're like okay well i'm just going to follow these characters on these days right and then i'll do another playthrough and do that like there aren't really any other games where you can just like replay in the same game file and be like yep today i'm going to be in this area or today i'm going to be over here that's cool yeah so as someone that's, that's point, like yeah. i had a similar experience to kevin where i bought Majora's Mask on N64, like pretty much when it came out, but I was a dumb yeah, kid. Yeah, we got that gold holographic oh, yeah. cartridge. Oh, oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm so, <laughs> you know, I beat Ocarina of Time with help from my buddy. I'm like so psyched to play this. And then I was dumb and like couldn't figure out the conceit of the game basically and then dropped it really quickly, <laughs> even though it was an expensive Nintendo 64 game. Um, and then yeah. subsequently, I'm pretty sure I bought it on Wii U and I definitely have it on 3DS, but like John, you talking about it and like other people have sworn by it too. Like what would you recommend is like the best way to pick up and play this game now? Honestly, like, so when I played it, I got a, uh, I had a Game Informer subscription before I ever bought the game. Nice. And Game Informer had a walkthrough <laughs> nice. for it that told you how to do 
uh, every single side quest and every like it had the bomber's notebook where it showed like where each like person is like if you have the 3ds version that would probably be the one to play yeah um even though like i do love the like having it on the wii u i think like playing it on a big screen is fun but like, sure there's a ton of quality of life improvements that you know are just nice to have sure and, like, yeah i was gonna say it probably depends who you are like if you're a purist you probably want to play it on either the wii u or the n64 sure. but because because i have heard i i know i definitely had a couple of friends who complained about the 3ds version but still for me like having not really played it's not like i played through the whole thing like i said i kind of hit a wall like randall and like it's not like I will have like a memory through the whole game of like, oh, this isn't quite the same. If for me, it'll be like, OK, this is just like a, some slight tweaks, but that won't really make a difference to me because I had, didn't play through the whole game. Right. You know? yeah. Right. But on, honestly, I think a walkthrough for the very first day, if you don't know what to do and if you don't like get it, because it, it does kind of tell like the dialogue is very like handholdy and like very explicit on what you should do but it doesn't <laughs> like but it doesn't Speak really tell yourself, you man. what to do in order to achieve yeah. that so like it's muscle memory for me at this point where i was like all right i know exactly what i need to do in what order and then like i get even like today i was like all right i'm at the observatory i know i need to be here I don't remember what I need to do, <laughs> but I'm just like, I, I know this is exactly where I should be. So like, I'm just messing around until like, I talk to like another person and be like, all right, I guess, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But yeah, like the, the first day, at least to get to a save point, if like you're lost, like I would say, do it, like just look up what you need to do. And then from then on, I think like, just talking to people like that's the way the game is supposed to be played is that like once you get the bomber's notebook like that will show you where like as you talk to people like it'll tell you exactly where they will be at every time of day and, and okay. exactly what day yeah, they'll i don't be even doing know if things. i ever unlocked the bomber's notebook <laughs> yeah, that, doesn't know that, even, I did that does not sound familiar to me <laughs> yeah and, and even that and i got decently of... far on my second playthrough like i remember the only reason i actually got only cut short because twilight princess came out mm -hmm. and i just couldn't wait i was like okay i'm i just want to play the new zelda game i i don't i don't need to finish the one i'm currently playing right know? but uh anything more to add on to majora uh john just that it's a deeply sad and beautiful game, and I love yeah. it so much. Yeah, it's, it's so a not a Nintendo tone, game that way. Like, Nintendo does not usually make games with that mood. Like, with yeah. that bizarre, just, like, kind of dark Because, like, even, like, Link's Awakening has, like, flashes of that. But like yeah. it's still so like cheery and like colorful fun in yeah. Link's Awakening. It's like cutesy and weird <laughs> as opposed to just like weird and weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. Uh, but, and but, I'm like, kinda curious. It seems like Breath of the Wild too, at oh least in like God, just yes. that little bit of the trailer. Like oh, man. it looks like they're pulling from a little bit of that Majora's tone at I least. Would just a little kill. bit. And I'm I'm hoping so yes. much. Oh, yes. Yeah. Let's because go. Because yeah, if you could if you could add a Majora tone to the Breath of the Wild, like, you know, I don't want to call it a formula because it was, <laughs> you know, but whatever you want to call it. But it, add it to that kind of gameplay loop. And man, I think that could be really cool. I mean, they have flashes of that even in like Skyward Sword and like Twilight yeah. Princess. But like to have it yeah. like, permeate throughout the whole game is uh, something. Yeah. 
Well, I guess uh, just continuing on one more game uh, before we wrap things up today, uh, and I guess just kind of continuing things on from the retro conversation right. again that we had last week, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I booted up Mega Man 11, um, which I have the cartridge of, and I know I talked a tiny bit about the Mega Man X collection last week and uh, the legacy collections that have come out of the Mega Man series, which have been a little bit disappointing. They've yeah. been, you know, obviously a nice comprehensive sets of all the games, but like and a bunch of art galleries, a bunch of cool stuff included with the package, but like just not, it just kind of feels a little bit like a cash grab, a little bit underwhelming on the presentation and on the, you know, there's just a little bit laggy on the controls. It just doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It just doesn't feel the same, you know, if you're super familiar with these games. Yes. But, you know, that being said, I do, I did pick up, uh, I think it was a half off at some point. I grabbed the physical uh, cartridge of Mega Man 11 for about 15 bucks. That's a good price. Um, yeah, it was 15 or 20 and uh, I finally got around to playing it. I played the demo and uh, I don't know, have either of you guys played? So I, I played a little bit of Mega Man 9 and 10, which were kind of like, you know, the Me- the original Mega Man series went uh, Mega Man 1 through 8, mm-hmm. 1 through 6 were on the NES. And yep. then I think Mega Man 7 was on Super, Super Nintendo. Nintendo. Yep. And then yep. Mega Man 8 was on like PlayStation and Sega Saturn, Correct. I want to say. Yep. Um, and those two, it was kind of interesting because those two obviously went more of like a 16 bit and even 32 bit approach. Yep. And then Mega Man nine and 10 came around. And, and one of the interesting things is like Mega Man nine, if I, if memory serves and it might not, but if memory serves, I feel like Mega Man nine was like one of the first, like kind of legit WiiWare games. Yeah. Yep. Um, not necessarily yeah. the first like downloadable legit games, like, cause there was stuff like braid and whatnot before that, I think not but, like Wii as far though. as the Wii was concerned is <laughs> like downloadable stuff that wasn't virtual console related Mm -hmm. it was like hey this is like a new game that's obviously a a twist on a retro thing but like this is a new game that's i think it might have even come out first on WiiWare than before other platforms but i might be wrong about that it might have been the same time on everything else but like those mega man first i think it may have been an exclusive nintendo that ring it rings a bell to me it might have been but it was for me and i'm sure for you guys too it's like this this has a connotation with nintendo for me so i'm going to buy it on wii anyway on the yeah exactly exactly especially with like mega man 9 Yeah, and with yeah, with the Wii mote basically being like an NES controller, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like so, I and and just like at the time, you know, it was just kind of exciting. Like it felt like, hey, Nintendo's back, you know, after yeah. the GameCube being somewhat of a commercial flop. It felt like, hey, Nintendo with the Wii is is making a splash again, you know. Yep. They're they're back in the mix. But anyways, like Mega Man Nine and Ten went full blown like NES. Uh, I don't even think you could do a charge shot anymore, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe you couldn't slide. There were like a bunch of different. Like I they went kind of more to like maybe. the, tra- yeah, maybe in ten. I didn't play much of ten, in, yeah. in all seriousness, I played more of nine. Yeah, but they were. Ri- I mean, they went all in on the difficulty, and all in on like the just NES style. Like it, it pretty much looked exactly the same, sounded yeah. exactly the same. Yep. Um, had the same kind of general format, and it's no different here with Mega Man Eleven as far as like the general format. And they did take some of the stuff from Mega Man Nine and Ten. Um, as far as like the kind of shops, like you can collect gears and bolts throughout levels and then mm-hmm. kind of buy upgrades for like your character, almost like in a roguelike fashion, you know, like, oh, now I can uh, run a little bit smoother. Like I don't slide as much on the ice now because right. I bought this upgrade or now like I just bought a new upgrade that just like essentially charges my Mega Buster at all times. So I never have to hold down the charge button. Ooh. It just is charging constantly. Oh, geez. Uh, there's an, another power up that no matter what, uh, like 
if I pick up like a energy charge, it'll refill my lowest charge weapon, you know, no matter uh, whatever the least. So like there's a bunch of quality of life stuff. Nice. And I know they had some of this type of stuff in Mega Man 9 and 10. Like there were like the shops you could kind of like buy energy tanks and buy like other types of upgrades or buy one ups to kind of help you through the game. And they, they're going kind of the same approach here. But what, what are your guys' experiences with the Mega Man uh, series in general, but 9 and 10 and, and the whole series, but before I get into the Mega Man 11 stuff? Yeah, uh, I, I have all of 1 through 6 on NES, um, but yeah. I don't necessarily have a ton of nostalgia for those games. For whatever reason, those weren't really the games I was super into as a kid compared to some other NES games like Mario 3 and Mario 2 and like ice hockey and blades of steel and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I've got those games and, uh, I, you know, I played them once in a while. Um, but really I got into them when it was kind of the retro revival with nine and 10, I played quite a bit of nine and I liked that game a lot. I thought they nailed mm-hmm. the feel of the NES games. Um, it's so hard. Yeah, it's, it's so hard. <laughs> but like I like being somebody who played and all fair. Like I had Mega Man Five growing up yeah. on the NES. That was like the first one of the first games I had on my NES, and I loved that yeah. game. And I know it's like some of the later games on the NES kind of get short shrift, and I, no, I don't think that's games. fair. I actually, yeah, I played through in quick succession, yeah. like over the course of a month. DJ and I played through one through six. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Which is nuts. probably even less than that when we lived together and we just be, and we beat, beat all, all six games. of them. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and all of them were great. Yeah. Like I could see like if like, you know, if you're waiting two years in between each game or yeah. a year, however long they were in between releases. And like by the time Mega Man six comes out, you're like, OK, this is kind of the same thing. But like it's still good, you know, and, and they did like evolve things from like especially Mega Man one and two, yeah. like adding like the charge shot and like being able to kind of slide and do like different attacks and like the rush booster and stuff like that i just i'm such a sucker for any late release games on systems too and that's what five and six were it's like all right we know what the hell we're doing developing we are maxing yes, out we yeah, figured we're out, maxing this. out yes. the potential of the nes because yeah the Mega Man five is like for sure oh, yeah. and six as well like they are oh, yeah. they are showstoppers yeah. for the nes it's great i love uh, stuff what, like that yeah, what about you, John? What's your Mega Man experience in the past? My Mega Man experience was playing Mega Man 9 and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I never uh, grew up playing the Mega Man games. By the time that I had like got a like uh, home system, they had migrated to like the X series on the PlayStation. Sure. So like yeah. I really didn't have a chance to play any new Mega Mans and like any of the old ones were too hard for me <laughs> so i got yeah, nine brutal. and nine had you know all the shop options of giving you like health that you could buy or like char like power-ups that you could use in the middle of a level and i was like oh cool now i can finally beat a mega man game <laughs> and i still didn't yeah. even i think i got to like i think i beat uh like seven or six or seven of the bosses and never made it to the end but i <laughs> nice. love it I, like it the mega man nine was a great game like oh, it yeah. was very hard and frustrating but like it was really fun to play through like i enjoyed like almost every second of that like it never felt like too cheap or like you know hard for the sake of being hard it right. just felt challenging which was a really nice like balance to have oh yeah great soundtrack on yeah. that game too oh yeah yeah great sound like i 
I, my, I guess, yeah, my uh, background for the Mega Man series was just listening to the two and three soundtracks. Oh, totally, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. so good. So They're good. They're amazing oh. soundtracks. God. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I basically had the same experience as you guys and I with Mega Man 9 and 10. And I think I've, I've actually, thinking back, now playing 11, I, I might have been better off like I, I think i was going i had more of that mindset of like i'm on 100 percent every game and i'm <laughs> i'm not going to use any of these perks and these boosts i'm not going to buy any of these items but like now that i'm, I'm i don't want to waste my time mm. trying to play a level over and over and over again nope. so like i was just like okay i'm gonna buy all these perks and i'm gonna buy everything so but one of the nice things so Mega Man 11 kind of twists things up they're they're not going for that 8-bit style anymore and they're not really going for the the any or the super nes or the playstation style it's like a 2.5d Right. Um, and if you just look at it real quick, it looks kind of cheap. Yeah. Um, but if you see it in action, it 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 does not feel that way to me. Like yeah. I actually really love the art yeah, it's style. Like too. Yeah. The you okay? You've played some Eleven, mm-hmm. Randall, as yep. well. I also okay, own cool. it I, I didn't know that. Yep. Okay. Heck yeah. Okay. I didn't know yep. that. Okay. Cool. So I've only beaten one boss. Yep. I've played about four levels, <laughs> and again, it doesn't really hold up on the difficulty the checkpoints are like few and far between the levels are a little bit longer than what i recall in previous mega man games yeah, even like the newer ones like they're pretty long yeah. and like usually like kind of a mini boss in every level that is like kind of a more legit boss than a mini boss like it's like <laughs> the last pl- level i played was like this roll these two roller coasters like bouncing back and forth on these tracks like a lot of dodging going on and like but just i i don't know like if you just look at it real quick it kind of looks like a cheap, like, oh, Mega Man wannabe, like, they're yeah. just trying to cash in, but, like, it really doesn't feel that way. The only thing I would say feels that way is the music, like, it, it, it does not even hold a candle yeah. to, for sure, not Mega Man 2 or 3, but any Mega Man game. It doesn't even come close. Which, like, I mean, those are such songs, high bars, but, though, in the first place, yeah, but, yeah, but, I'd agree. They're just kind of, like, fine and, like, background songs, yeah. but they're nothing special. But, like, the gameplay, so... Obviously, you have all your regular Mega Man stuff of your regular Mega Blaster, and you can charge it up and all that. And then you have all these extra perks and like the shop and stuff, um, where you can buy energy tanks and buy one ups and buy this and that. Mm-hmm. But like the gameplay itself is like they add a new mechanic of like this double gear system that you can either hit one of the triggers that will uh, make you more powerful for you know until the gears kind of there's like a little meter that kind of ticks down or fills up I guess until you run out of power Mm -hmm. and then you can either do that or go into slow-mo so that's where the double gear like you have one of the two and then you can upgrade those two as well so like I just upgraded the the gear to where like when I go into slow-mo Mega Man uh, himself moves in normal time but mm. everything else is full slow-mo where I, I would say before he probably goes about half speed. Yeah. Uh, he's still a little faster than everything else, like the enemies and stuff, but not a hundred percent speed. But like, I don't know. I, I, I'm really torn. Like I, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be going into this game at the moment. Cause like with how stressful the world is right now, I'm just like, I don't need another game. That's going to whoop my ass <laughs> sure. more than the world is whooping my ass Fair. already and whooping everyone's ass. Yes. So I'm just like, I, I just, I don't know if I'm in the right mood for it just yet, but I did play more today and I was like, man, this, this game on the, sur- if you just look at it at a glance, I feel like it would be easy to write Mega Man 11 off mm-hmm. as like, a oh, it just looks kind of, cookie cutter and whatever but i i feel like it it's kind of stands up like i think the boss battles are really cool um 
and it i don't know it it really holds that mega man lineage uh it carries that torch really well i think yeah i was excited to see another mega man game and i do yes yeah, specifically i'm glad you mentioned that gear system that double gear system because i it's so cool yeah it's really cool and i liked it because you know i'm not someone that has some excellent memory or anything so you know the other mega man games kind of force you into like you play in this exact order you you know you do this boss first then you have his weapon then you go to yep. this guy and then you beat him da, da, da. like I'm, i was just yeah. never i think that's also why i never really clicked in with mega man too much historically is because of that whereas in 11 now that takes some of the emphasis off of needing to have some set weapon to beat this boss that it's weak against now i can either slow him down or just beat him with my regular blaster you know with double damage and i was able to you know beat some bosses i think i didn't get too much further than you did but i was able to play with those systems and say oh okay there's kind of different angles you can kind of go at this thing with to still find success and i appreciated that yeah and just like some some cool level design yeah. with like the platforming feels really nice and like like I, I played a level earlier, like it was like an ice level and there would be parts of the level that had kind of like a wind, like a breeze going mm -hmm. or uh, more than a breeze because you would have to use it to kind of carry you over these longer jumps. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's nothing new. I mean, even in the NES days, they were doing stuff like that in the Mega Man games. But like, I don't know, it, it had like these kind of like carved out like oh if you take the risky path, you can get that extra one up. Right. And I, I guess again, they did that in the old games, too. But like. Um, Sounds like the know. perfect it, successor. It, it, <laughs> exactly. But it, it, they just did it right. Yeah. And it, again, I just seeing an image, it's, uh, it's for me, I, I really did write this game. I was just like, ah, oh, Mega Man 11 looks terrible. Yeah, by screenshot, it, it kind of looks like a Unity engine game in not a great yeah. way. Like, and especially those other games, regular series and X are just so pretty looking. The sprite art is great. Yeah. In all those mm -hmm. games. And then. Yeah, and then you boot up, like, when I boot up the game in the opening cutscene, like, some, like it's fully voice acted, and it's, hmm. oh. Okay, oh. I will With say. With the Mega Man cartoon voice actors, or? <laughs> I don't know, probably not even, but what were you I'll say right in now? its defense that, you know, once you got to, uh, was it Mega Man 8, I believe, yeah, and and some of the other ones that released on the CD systems, they got into some of that voice acting stuff, and it's an eight in particular. It's pretty bad and corny. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's not maybe, without maybe precedent going, in the series. <laughs> oh yeah, I, maybe they're going for a little bit of that, but man, at the opening cutscene, they're just like, no, I wouldn't dare. Yes. Like, oh, oh, this sounds like the so doc, good. I'm buying I'll, this I'll post a, I'll post a clip because I, I saved a clip because I was like, this is embarrassing. Uh. But at the but at the same time, like some of the voice acting when you're in the menus and stuff, like when the characters are just kind of talking like, hey, Mega, what do you want? Like, it's actually, it's pretty decent. Like, it's yeah. it's it holds together well. But when it's in like the story beats and stuff in the opening segment, oh my God, whoever played Dr. Light, yes. give me a fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll t I take that back. Uh, that's a human being that did that voice. But man, <laughs> next time, try a little harder. Uh, but <laughs> always a but, critic. Uh, but I, what's that? Always a critic. Yeah, I know. That's that's what I'm here for. That's what we're all here for. To just pick a nitpick games. That's what that's what we say. We're here to talk about yeah. video games. But we're actually here to nitpick there video games, guys. Whoever but uh, I think I think we could pretty much wrap up the episode here this week. Mm -hmm. You guys feeling pretty good? Feeling great. Oh yeah, nice. 
All right. Well, as always, you can find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, like we mentioned earlier in the episode. Just just look at the episode description, guys. We got all the links at the bottom of the episode description there. We're on Discord. Yeah. Uh, we're always chatting on there. YouTube, Twitch, you name it. We probably have a presence there that we at least somewhat uh, monitor. So, <laughs> But uh, I think we can call it a night there. But I uh, hope you're having a good uh, week and take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, uh, I think we can pretty much... Hold on, I kind of... That's not a good transition. <laughs> good rap. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what you say when, we are, when we're done. <laughs> I think we can pretty, pretty much, much call it a day. You know what? Let's, let's, this episode's over, guys. <laughs> this is a nice 20-minute episode. <laughs> you know what? While we're taking a quick pause, let me get a little more wine here. Yeah, As sure. if I need it. <laughs> I'll pour a little bit more drink in mine, too. Mm-hmm. Might as well. Yeah. We'll be back in one second.